Well, it's been another big week in the Australian travel industry. We've seen a flight centre fee backflip and Hello World survival plan, plus more cruise line cancellations as the reality of the situation sets in, and further changes to aviation as Qatar resumes flights but Qantas extends suspensions. I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper, and this is Travel Daily News on the Fly. So this week we've seen some big moves from a couple of agency groups around their approach to the corona crisis, including Flight Centre's new approach to cancellation fees and refunds. What's happening there? This has been a huge issue for Flight Centre and it's been brewing for quite a few weeks. As anyone who's listening would know, when COVID-19 hit and borders started to close, there were thousands of cancellations, flights, cruises, um, obviously border closures meant tours couldn't operate. And Flight Centre, like anyone else in the industry, began to enforce its standard terms and conditions. You know, the fine print for Flight Centre says there's a $300 per person service fee in the event of any cancellation. Now, in this case, of course, because of COVID-19, the cancellations weren't the customer's idea, nor the travel agents, and so Flight Centre enforced the policy, and that annoyed some people, and there were a bunch of Facebook groups set up. Lots of complaints to fair trading authorities and the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. But surely agents are within their rights to charge a cancellation fee, given that they've already done all the work. That's true, but I guess you can understand from the consumer's point of view, they weren't the ones who were initiating the cancellations, and with thousands of very upset people, and pretty ignorant people in many cases too, about how the travel industry works, naturally the mainstream media really got onto it, and there have been a bunch of very negative stories about all this, and I think I mentioned that in the podcast last week, after working hard to counter those perceptions, but there certainly were some examples where maybe an extended family were travelling together, so they were getting hit with thousands of dollars in cancellations, and that's on top of the fees being charged by airlines, tour operators, cruise companies, which, as we all know, have gone through thousands and thousands of updates in recent weeks. Some of them have been quite upfront also in announcing that they're not charging fees, so it was confusing for the consumers. I can guarantee that flight centre were completely within their rights to do what they were doing, but in the end, it looks like the weight of the negative publicity just wore them down. So last weekend, they announced a new policy where they're not charging any of their own fees for cancellations, but also encouraging people to leave money on file for future bookings with a bonus of up to $200. So is this a win for the consumer? Yes, look, it's, it is a win for the consumer, but I think not a long-term win and definitely not a win for the travel industry. I think it'll be bad for everyone in the long term. It's basically sending the message that all the work those agents did, those hard-working consultants, that all they did was worthless and reinforcing the completely false allegations that agents hold on to client money until after they travel. Look, honestly, some of the rubbish on these Facebook groups was unbelievable in terms of misunderstanding how the industry works. And I just feel like the fact that Flight Centre backed down reinforces that ignorance. I understand there's uh, marketing perceptions to go with it, but I actually think it would have been a lot better if Flight Centre had just reduced its cancellation fee to, say, $100 or $150, but offered a lot more incentive to leave the money on file, you know, maybe a $1,000 bonus or something like that, because we all know that once people come in and have the idea to book and, you know, if they've got a bit of extra money, they will spend it. I think we all know that in the end, if every travel provider has to refund everything, there's going to be nobody left. And it's not the travel agent's fault, which has kind of been what's being implied by this back down. Now, we've also seen Hello World come out with a survival strategy. What's their plan of attack? 
Halliwell did a stock exchange update last Friday and it made for pretty sobering reading. Some might say realistic. I think that we all know that there's been a huge downturn, but somehow to see confirmation in black and white that Hello World's transaction levels are down 95% really you know, brought it home that this situation is real. Basically, Hello World is adjusting things to suit the conditions very wisely. They're battening down the hatches, cutting costs to the bare bones, and bracing themselves for no recovery at all until September this year, and even then, only in the domestic market. What about international then? Hello World's predictions, which might be realistic or they might be a worst-case scenario, of course no one knows at this stage, are that trans-Tasman travel might reopen in October or November, but no other international markets until 2021. The company says it's got enough cash to survive at its current level of business for at least a year. And with today's National Cabinet meeting, which has been fairly heavily uh, leaked in mainstream media, I think we might find that restrictions ease sooner than Hello World's timetable, which will be great news for everyone. Well, the reality of coronavirus's impact on cruising is really being felt this week as we've seen cruise line after cruise line extending their suspensions and cancelling more cruises. What's happening there? Yes, this week I think the cruise sector admitted what everyone else has been seeing for a while. There's just no way that cruising is going to start up again at the end of next month, which is when most of the cruise lines had previously confirmed their cancellations up to. So yesterday particularly we saw a bunch of Carnival Corporation brands, including Princess, uh, Holland America, Seabourn, announce they effectively aren't going to sail at all this northern summer. Not in Europe, not in North America. They're putting their ships into what's called cold layup for months and months and essentially hoping to just ride it out. And that applies to Princess's Australian itineraries as well. And what about other brands? At this stage, we haven't had updates from the other big players, Royal Caribbean and Norwegian, about their plans right through to the end of the year. But on Wednesday, there was a really brutal investor update from Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, the parent company of Norwegian, Oceania and Regent Seven Seas, which laid out the reality of the situation uh, with the company burning through cash, a lot of expenses uh, with new builds, and not enough bookings coming in. Fortunately, the next day, NCLH went to the market and managed to raise more than 2.2 billion US dollars, and it says that now puts it in the best position of all the big players to ride this out. On top of all that, we've seen the ongoing scrutiny of the Ruby Princess situation in the New South Wales Commission of Inquiry. Unfortunately, I think the bad news for the cruise sector is going to provide some nightly fascination uh, on the news broadcasts for some time yet. So what can the industry do to help in this situation? Uh, Clear Cruise Lines Industry Association held a webinar last week to discuss all this negativity and uh, MD Joel Katz was pretty realistic. I think in saying that it, it is very hard to get in front of it. Uh, CLIA is working along with its cruise line members and of course other cruise companies as well to come out with new health and safety protocols. And Joel just said, said, you know, despite what you think of everyone else is doing, the industry really needs to be unified on this. You know, given overall message, there is definitely a tough road ahead and it's up to us to be advocates for all the good things that cruising does in the economy, for people and of course in giving people great holidays. And while cruise lines all appear to have similar approaches to the crisis, when we look at aviation, we've seen a couple of different approaches to getting back on track. Can you share with us what some of these are? 
I thought it was really fascinating to see a couple of extremely different announcements this week from Qantas and Qatar Airways. At the beginning of the week, Qantas did a market update, sort of accepting the reality of the situation and extending its suspension of international flying out until at least July and keeping thousands of staff continued on stand downs. Uh, Alan Joyce even announced the suspension of the Project Sunrise ultra long haul plans, which I'm sure was a very difficult moment for him. But then by contrast, yesterday we saw Qatar Airways, which has continued flying a much reduced schedule right through the COVID-19 crisis, sort of really helped repatriate a lot of people stranded in other countries, announcing plans to phase in flights to up to 80 destinations by the end of next month. Qatar says because it's kept flying, it has a good insight into forward booking patterns and it thinks the demand is going to be there. They've also got a huge versatile fleet and so they can pretty easily match capacity to demand on each individual route. The airline thinks there's going to be a big jump in VFR traffic, particularly once the travel bans lift as people want to go and see to travel to see their friends and family. Let's hope so. And what other big things have happened in the industry this week? The words that are on everyone's lips is this trans-Tasman travel bubble. Uh, Let's hope that we hear something about that today from the government, uh, where there's a national cabinet meeting, and Jacinda Ardern from New Zealand was also involved in talks earlier this week. Uh, So that's potentially good news. And on the domestic front, there's definitely a rising tide of expectation that intrastate, if not interstate, travel will open up very soon. Uh, South Australia, I think, has had more than two weeks now without any new cases of COVID-19. So I think they'll be first off the mark, and then I think Queensland will follow pretty quickly soon thereafter, and then the other states in turn. The expectation of a domestic and trans-Tasman travel boost was also reinforced this week with the appointment of Matt Cameron-Smith to become CEO of the Travel Corporation's AAT Kings Group. He was previously MD, but I think the promotion is a reflection of the increasing importance of AAT Kings to the Travel Corporation portfolio uh, in the current environment, and I'm sure we're going to see a whole lot of new product rolling out right across the TTC brands to tap into that new demand. Anyway, congratulations, Matt. Absolutely. Congratulations, Matt. Now, for listeners who read Travel Daily, you'll know there is a very important day coming up, IDD, or in layman's terms, International Donut Day. And at Travel Daily, we've once again been asking you to submit a donut ditty for a chance to win donuts. Well, I have the privilege of sharing with you this week's best submission, brought to you by, a pause for dramatic effect, Lisa Borowick from Travel Call, which is part of the Gold Moon Group. And Lisa has written in and said, Ring the bells and sound the horns. 5th of June is the day I was born. Corona may have grounded us for now. Stronger together will rise again and how. Travel daily sending donut treats would make my special day so, so sweet. I really like this one. I feel like it really pulls on the heartstrings. It is a bit of a power move dropping in the birthday part, but I respect it and she's done well out of it. I also want to be very clear that while I actually play no part in choosing the winner, I will accept bribery in the form of donuts. So please keep sending in your donut ditties. We love reading them. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Keep up to date with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and Cruise Weekly. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for your weekly run-through of all the latest travel industry news. And we'll be back next week with more news on the fly.